How's it South Africa? And thanks for listening to Farmers Inside Track, the country's most downloaded farmers podcast. Welcome to episode 274. I'm your host Donumdu. Now, despite her initial aspirations of becoming a highly accomplished lawyer, Shandini Naidu took an unexpected turn into agriculture. In this episode, she shares her motivations behind her career switch and her journey as the founder of Avoport. She also shares her thoughts on creating a more inclusive agri industry and what she'd do if she were agri minister for the day. Shandini, I think I've been a fan from the time I saw that adorable picture of you kissing a rhino when we featured you on Food from Zanzi. You're not a farmer, but agriculture runs through your blood. Is this always the sector that you knew you would thrive in? No, not at all. If you ask me this going into matric or university, what was my ideal or, or what I expected my career to be, I would have told you I'm going to be the next female Harvey Specter from Suits and I'm going to be this top-notch lawyer or a vet if you got me in high school. But I never ever thought being in the agri space would have been my destination or my chosen career because I was very focused on being a corporate lawyer at the time I was in university and had no intention of actually going into the agri space but it just so happened a chance discussion with one of my mentors at my law firm once I completed my law degree um I think it was my second year of that internship and he said to me you know we have the mine our client was actually rehabilitating some of their mines into agricultural projects and that's what I was sort of focusing on and he said you're never going to make the money you want building 8 hours a day that's verbatim what he said to me and I said oh my goodness I've been studying for 7 years now I'm here 2 years into this internship going to be appointed as a legal advisor and you tell me I'm never going to make the money I'm going to want to make billing 8 hours a day and he told me a story about a gentleman he met on a plane that was trading oranges you know he said he had a house in the south of France and he had a wine farm in Cape Town and I said well that sounds like the life for me and through that conversation he said you should really look into avocados and it was literally from that conversation that avoport my company was born so no i i had no inclination whatsoever that i would actually be in the agri space even though i was raised on a dairy farm and had that upbringing i would have never thought this would be my life or trajectory at all so no it just came as they say a chance opportunity and where the universe wanted me to go so that's how i got into the agricultural space That's so interesting because you know so many people that I talk to they say no I've known since growing up on a farm or agriculture chose me from a very young age and so your story is very different in that way so you're an international trade lawyer but you're also currently a national agricultural marketing council board member you've told us a little bit about your background tell us more about that early childhood memories You know what was growing up like for you those things that you won't forget that kind of sticks with you like something that someone said and even this chance encounter or the switch kind of that came about in your life maybe you could just tell us more about that Shandini Growing up I was a tomboy I grew up on my grand's dairy farm or livestock farm 
I don't think I could picture you as a tomboy. You're such a ladies' lady. <laughs> I promise you, if you see me without the glitz and the glam, it's all a facade. Let me tell you, I am happy to be barefoot. As you mentioned, the rhino, I'm ready to be barefoot and dirty. That's truly who I am. But obviously, the positions I'm in, I have to dress appropriately because I don't think it would be appropriate for me to walk barefoot or be dirty at my board meetings. But my childhood was one where I was free and protected by my parents and my extended family to be exactly who I was. Although my mom definitely tried to dress me up as a porcelain doll most of the time, I rebelled and was in the gumboots and dungarees for most of my childhood. But talking about memories, I think one of the most important ones that I have that has shaped me into the person I am today, and I must say when I say I'm a woman, I still try and look at myself as a little girl. But one of the main things that I can think of off the cuff would be my mom and just having that representation of the perfect mom. I mean, she's Grace incarnate and also having her being a super successful businesswoman literally shaped my life. All my business acumen, all my lessons I observed from her and that's what I apply into my life right now. And then from the side of my love for agriculture, wildlife, being barefoot and dirty, that would come from my dad. He was the one who actually showed me that whatever boys can do, girls can do better and raised me as tough as he raised the boys. So those childhood memories are literally things that I carry with me throughout my life. And it's really important, I think, being in my 30s, having seen other people's upbringings to be super grateful for the way my parents have raised me. Because I know a lot of girls have been pigeonholed into this is how you have to be and this is how you have to behave and not instill the confidence and the tenacity for young women to actually own the seats that they sit at or own positions of power. And I think the combination of my mom and dad's upbringing of me having been raised with strong women from my mom to my stepmom to my gran, it's all enabled me to do what I'm doing now. It sounds absolutely beautiful and it actually fits perfectly into my next question around creating a more inclusive agricultural sector. It's changed a lot over the years, but I wanted to just kind of pick your brain to see where you're thinking or what you're thinking about specifically around, you know, policies and what you would think would be the best way to kind of create a more inclusive sector. And what would you say is key when it comes to these policies that we set out, that we currently adhere to, and what we could possibly look to for the future? Having been on the board of the NAMC, or the National Agricultural Marketing Council, for those who don't know the acronym, one of the things I have seen is there have been policy developments directed towards development of the small and emerging farmers, but obviously a lot more can be done. One thing I'm really proud of the agricultural sector for is as much as it looks like it's a male-dominated space, there are a lot of powerful women in the space, i.e. Our, our Minister of Agriculture, who really are making a difference and allowing 
for example, the NAMC board to have a 50-50 split between women and men representation. Having said that, I think our policies also need to be more adaptable as well as more inclusive in our goals and projections, as well as being more forward-thinking. Yes, the short-term goals are very important, but COVID taught us that we are susceptible to anything and everything, and the world can stop in a whim. And that's what happened in 2020, where the entire country, the entire globe stood still. And having overcome COVID in the past year and a bit, it's highlighted how vulnerable we are. So taking the lessons from COVID is super important to developing a more robust and sustainable agricultural space through policy and the inclusion now of agri-tech and AI, which has become a dominant force across the globe. It would be naive to say that our policies are going to be able to adapt quick enough. We definitely need to focus on policies that are directed towards the inclusion of agri-tech and AI. But having said that, we also need to include not including it to the exclusion of jobs or at the cost of jobs. Obviously, with technology, there comes more efficiency and accuracy as opposed to just using the human eye. So it's a delicate balance of having policy that is forward thinking and encompassing, but also not degradating what we have now with regards to knowledge generation for the youth, inclusion of the emerging farmers, as well as growing jobs, as opposed to taking away jobs now that there's an inclusion of of technology. And one of the things that I think is highly important, and I said that actually at the Mzanzi event a couple of weeks ago, is I think the question was, if you had a wand, what would be the thing you'd like to give the world? And for me, aside from policy that is more inclusive and encompassing, would be knowledge to the farmers, to the sector, as to where the opportunities lie, where the challenges are, and how do we address those? Because I think that's more triggered towards having food security and sustainability for the future generations. Thank you so much for that, Shandini. I think you've given us a lot to think about, so much of what we talk about kind of as these things that we kind of know needs to happen, but it doesn't really hit home. And I think for me, it's just beautiful to to listen to you talk it through and, and actually make it clearer for those within the sector. Looking in from the outside, but also being part of it as a primary producer or along the value chain. So thanks so much for that. I wanted to just talk briefly about the work that you do as part of your company and your agribusiness. It has a lot to do with providing training to young and small scale farmers and agripreneurs. Maybe you can tell us more about this work and what do you enjoy most about what you do? So initially, my business was more focused towards trade, be that export or trade to agro-processors and local retailers and wholesalers. As I mentioned, COVID, when it did come, it stopped everything dead in its tracks and made us really consider what is our business model and what are we trying to achieve and how the training actually transpired. The R&D side of our business came about was actually during COVID. 
during the lockdown, a lot of our farmers and even farmers that I hadn't worked with contacted me and explained their current situation with the retailers. Some retailers, the food chains, the restaurants being shut down, they had no market. And, you know, they had stock that needed to be harvested. They had stock that was going to perish and they didn't have any market. And we looked at that and took all the conversations, held interviews with various role players within the sector, both local and international, and decided that one of the key things that would drive the growth after COVID would be developing these farmers. And during the course of those discussions and interviews, we found out that certain critical skills were missing. Right now at Avalport, we have about three or four pipeline projects that are ready to be launched with regards to technology, training and development. The one critical skill that was lacking at the time was, besides the market access point of view, was what are the market demands and do do the farmers have insight into what the market's demands are and do they have an understanding of that? The second thing was the lack of financial literacy, which is a critical skill to have, even as an individual, is how to manage your money or how to manage your business. Not everyone, as I said, was blessed enough to have a mom that was a successful businesswoman. So I got to learn from her. And role models are lacking, especially for young women in the space. It's very intimidating to see only male faces or only have to deal with males or sit on a panel where there's only males. So aside from those two trainings, I mentor quite a few up and coming young women in the, in the space. And then the third thing that I can mention would be the gap accreditation. You know, food traceability has become a big thing. Consumers are more conscious of where their food comes from and how it's grown. And that's where the gap accreditation comes in as formal retailers, even the export market, all demand that gap accreditation is held by all the farmers. So those are the three core things that we've been focusing on, not only to build up our farmer database, but to also enable our farmers to supply our clients and to build them up enough to have economies of scale to supply the demands that we have, as well as pivot them towards the export side of the agricultural business. So that's actually where the training came about and how it came about. Absolutely amazing, Shandini. I think you're doing great work within the sector. And I think that I can't wait what the next few years has in store for you and your business and just your journey within the space. Now, if you could leave yourself a message from, say, five years ago, I think so much can happen in, in that time. And if you're listening to this podcast in 10 years time, inshallah, what would you say to your future self? So if I could say five years ago is around about the time that I actually sort of started Appleport. You have no idea what's coming and to never give up and to believe in yourself. And 10 years time, you've achieved everything and more that you've set out to do. I think earlier you mentioned the role that women play in agriculture globally. And I just wanted to ask if you were agriculture minister for one day and could implement a change, what change would that be, especially when it comes to women in agriculture? Thank you so much. Not to take away from our current minister's efforts, because I think she has structured the sector to allow for young women to be in positions of power. And she's a phenomenal role model for people even outside the sector. 
She's an expert. She knows what's going on. Is not afraid to dominate in a male-dominated industry. If I was minister for the day, I think I would do more to pivot on what she's already done in making the sector more inclusive and enabling for the smallholder farmer. And I would drive the knowledge generation and skills development agenda more so than just granting market access or giving of land. I think, you know, the proverb in the Bible that says, give a man a fish and a loaf of bread for a day and he'll have a meal, but give him a fishing rod and teach him how to fish and he'll have meals for the rest of his life. I think that is the crux of my business. It is what I'm deeply passionate about. I think that's what I would sort of drive harder within the sector. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Andini. And I think, you know, just it was such a pleasure to talk to you. And I just wanted to ask you, you know, what's your final message to Mzanzi's young farmers as we wrap up? For the young farmers, be that young or old, we're not discriminating yeah. I think farmers are the most hardworking and challenged people in the world globally. So for me, for them, I would first like to say thank you, because without them, we wouldn't have the food that we eat every day, but also to tell them never to give up. And as much as it rains and it pours, and we've faced with multiple challenges, the grit and tenacity that farmers have, the drive they have to succeed, and the quality that they derive from start to finish, and the hard work and blood, sweat, and tears they dedicate to plow those fields and harvest those crops is the most important thing they could ever do for themselves, for the community, for the country as a whole. So for them, I would like to say that never give up and they have the grit to get through anything. And despite their challenges, there's always a silver lining. They are the assets and the backbone of this country and continent, and they should never forget that. Thank you so much, Andini. I really appreciate you joining me on this podcast and everything of the best for the work that you're mm-hmm. doing. Thank you so much, Dawn. And thank you again to yourself and the Food Forum Zanzi team for always being so gracious and kind towards me. And again, for the opportunity to have a platform to speak. It's much appreciated. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Shandini Naidu, the founder of Avoport. She's also an international trade lawyer and a National Agricultural Marketing Council board member. It really was an absolute pleasure talking to you. And that's a wrap from Ido Numdu, our technical producer, Megan Van Defend, and the rest of the hashtag Team Food from Zanzi. Thank you so much for listening. Bye for now. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.